0: For folks who don't know, the Free State Project is a movement of voluntary human action where we are trying to concentrate libertarians in the state of New Hampshire.
1: I think we've got done uh, more in the last decade than every other libertarian movement combined has accomplished in the last five decades. Are my friends
2: and my neighbors who are willing to stand against tyranny, make their voices hurt, and have a goddamn? If you have a problem where too many people are afraid to say what they believe in, they'll actually do something about it. If you're afraid to stand outside the TSA line and piss off 97% of people who are waiting to just take the arm build it up their ass in five seconds, then you're probably not ever going to make a change.
3: Free State Project, again, it's it's 1% of the Free
4: State movement. I am a friend of the Free State Project. And would you
0: encourage people to check a- it out?
4: Absolutely. Check it out. Find out. If you like it, join and continue
2: the effort. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, libertarians and anarchists, movers, natives, and those on your way, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Free State Live, where you get to hear about all the different ways you can live free and thrive in the free state of New Hampshire. First and foremost, time to welcome back our hosts. As always, I'm Justin O'Donnell, former libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate and host of the Subversive Podcast. And joining me is author, activist, former Free State Project, uh... Well, current Free State Project board member, host of the Carla Garrick Show, and Queen Quill herself, Carla Garrick. How are you, Carla?
0: I am great. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. So thanks for coming back to the show. As always, the fans have missed you on your time off. So we assume they complain and you come back. As I, I,
0: I will always come back from Florida. That is a promise <laughs> I can make you
2: all. <laughs> and... Uh, if, SP, Discord Czar, New Hampshire native, and family man extraordinaire, Kevin Haley. How are you, Kevin? Hey, good, good, good. Glad to be here again. So you've come prepared with all sorts of research and questions and not prepared to do things ad hoc like I do, so you're the better one there. (laughs) And uh, filling in for the night, we have the chair of Moms for Liberty and former Free State Project executive director, Rachel Goldsmith. How are you, Rachel?
1: Good afternoon, good evening and night. I'm feeling good.
2: And welcome back. Rachel's been on the show before and she's back. As always, interesting and fun to have. But the special guest for the night, proprietor of Granite Mines Homeschool Center, Michelle McCartney. Michelle, how are you?
4: Hi, I'm doing well. How are you guys?
2: Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you for joining tonight. Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight. It's going to be a fantastic discussion about doing things for the children. Because doing things for the children is often the pivoting, pivotal rallying cry heard by politicians as everyone clamors to pass laws and regulations to protect the children, uh, rightfully claiming that the children are the future of our communities, our society, and our culture, and they're the most important to work to protect. However. Often, those regulations passed are geared towards controlling the education and experiences of the same children they claim to protect and taking away the control of a child's upbringing from its parents and from its community. Um, Yet here in New Hampshire, we've led the way in education freedom and returning some of that control back to parents with a multitude of different options and uh, alternatives to standardized education and that's what michelle's here to talk to us about tonight with granite mines and just being one of those options and all the different very awesome great uh new hampshire education opportunities for kids so i mean kick it off michelle how did you end up here and what's your free state story
4: Yeah, so um, I will start off by just saying that I am actually, I guess, what they call a native. So I kind of fell into the Free State Project. I already lived here, and I happen to be working at a company that is owned by a very popular Free Stater. And I had no idea that the Free State Project existed. And then one day, someone said, did you know that half the people that work here are Free Staters? And I said, what's that? (laughs) And, And I learned all about it and thought it was just the coolest thing. So now I'm, you know, knee deep. And I'm a huge advocate for uh, education choice, um, as well as um, really just people figuring out like what's the best way for their children. And I personally do not believe that public schools are the best way for any child, really. Um, I think that parents need to be involved. And I think especially over this past year, we've seen over and over and over again how they don't want the parents involved at all. Um, and it's been really interesting. So over the past year, a lot of people have fled to homeschooling, and I ended up kind of taking a look at um, some of the stuff, you know, that can help people homeschool. Uh, I've been a huge advocate of homeschooling, and I realized that the more and more that I presented the case to homeschooling, a lot of people came back with the objectives of cost, socialization, um, you know, maybe I can't educate my child the way a, a teacher can, Um, these types of objections. And so I said, well, how can I make this more affordable, more available? Um, How can we get experts in here to teach our children? Because what a lot of people don't realize is that homeschooling is not really about the parent being the entire educator for your child. It's about finding the experts to be the educators for your children. And so I kind of came up with the idea of the homeschooling center, which is essentially a resource center. So the facility is actually located in where, and we've got a really cool setup. There's the receptionist area, there's the front desk, um, and then there's the front room. And the front room uh, has all different kinds of stuff. We've got a reading nook, we've got sensory bins, we've got tables, we've got music, uh, educational toys. We've got all different kinds of educational board games. There's even an entire uh, type of schooling called game schooling. So if you haven't looked that up, I highly encourage it. Um, And that's about basically the concept that children learn primarily through through play up until they're about eight to 10 years. So there's all different kinds of educational games that you can use to teach different concepts. Um, We've got, you know, microscopes, laptops, we've got chess clubs, Lego club, we have a lounge for one to one tutoring, a classroom that independent teachers and parents can rent to teach their own classes. Um, So some of the cool stuff that we've got going on, we have someone that's going to come out and teach a foraging class. We have someone that wants to come out and do an intro to coding class, an entrepreneurship class. Um, You know, we've got a lot of really cool stuff that you wouldn't see in conventional public school. And I went to public school. I know what it's about. um, And I did not have any of these opportunities as a child. Um, And so I have two children. And this is kind of my dream is how do I bring the opportunities to them that I didn't have as a kid? and going through public school and even seeing how much it's gotten worse over the years has really kind of brought it home that this is what we need to be doing uh, for our children. So the homeschooling centers are kind of a great result because they help bring a little bit, they kind of bring the free market into education essentially is you've got these independent experts who can, Outsource their classes, build their own programs, price it the way that they want, find their own groups of kids, and all they have to do is rent a place to do it. If they don't have a place, you know, in their home or whatever that they can utilize. Um, so it's actually really, I mean, it's a really cool thing that we can bring the community together for something like that.
0: That, oh, that sounds amazing. Do you have a capacity for that? Like, how many students are you looking at?
4: so the center itself can hold quite a bit but again the classes are kind of we have one classroom that can accommodate about 15 to 20 kids depending on age and size so we've got that going on we've got the front room we've got a lounge i mean the facility itself can probably accommodate comfortably about 50 kids at a time and we also have a big barn on the property that we can use for big events so like homeschool proms homeschool you know christmas parties Um, we're actually going to have an easter event this uh this sunday so We kind of plan on utilizing it for that. We're going to be doing some market days, um, you know, all different types of things. And we're sitting on about four acres of land as well. So we have some outdoor space that we can do stuff with too.
1: Yeah, I think the location is absolutely one of the best things about um, the warehouse and and what you're doing. This is going to be maybe the third or fourth homeschooling co-op space that's Um, specifically a free stater oriented space. But on top of that, it's also, um, I think, seven or eight or even nine as far as if you count it as a community space. Um, I think this is maybe one of the farthest west spaces that's sort of a a central um, location for free state community aspects uh, and and activities. have you had a a decent showing of folks from different parts of the state? Do you find most of your attendees are coming from Manchester or Concord, or is it um, a a good variety of locations? Where's the best place? um, Where's the, I I guess, the the largest space that you're seeing people coming and enjoying the warehouse?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, they're kind of coming from all over, to be honest. I mean, I'm actually in Concord. So it's about a 30 minute drive for me. Um, There's, you know, it's right next to Manchester. It's like a 25 minute drive to Manchester. Um, So it's actually a really great location. You can come out from Keene in 45 minutes. And one of the things I always say, too, is, you know, you know, you're in New Hampshire, right? If anything, under an hour is not a big deal. So, I mean, realistically, you can, you know, you can accommodate quite a big area uh, with the where location. But there's also i mean where itself has a huge homeschooling community um and they have a giant co-op that takes place there um so it's actually i mean just the location in general is a great location for homeschooling because a lot of people home the location like i said it's super central to everything i am starting also a preschool co-op because my my oldest is three so i'll be starting up a preschool co-op there as well and I've had a lot of interest from people down in like the Salem areas, um, you know, Salem, Dairy. I've had a lot of interest from people down in like Temple. You know, it, it's, it's kind of cool. We got a lot of people from all over that are excited about it.
1: And it's right next to you, Dunkin's.
4: <laughs> yeah, yes. yes, we actually have an access road that goes to a little plaza with a Dunkins and subway and some other cool, um, gas station, which is always helpful.
0: <laughs> so so Michelle you call this sort of like a homeschooling co-op but I know you're really interested in and I'm interested in learning more from you about sort of the landscape that you see for education. So here in New Hampshire, we obviously have some unique things that are happening. We do have, um, you know, we have our public schools. We now have these EFAs, which is the Education Freedom Accounts, and that allows the money to follow the child. We have great organizations like Moms for Liberty that are coming up. There's a lot of interest in charter schools, homeschools, There's this program, I believe, that they started under the New Hampshire uh, Department of Education, which is Learn Everywhere or Learn Anywhere. So Mm -hmm. I think you can take programs and actually put them into, you know, like you could teach robotics and then your kid could (laughs) be like, oh, I'm going to take that as a credit. So there are all these things, but a lot of that stems sort of from your passion. So can you talk a little bit about what those different options look like and what maybe the landscape of like educational entrepreneurial uh,
4: (laughs) yeah so again i think a lot of it is just about bringing the free market back to education and the problem with public schools is there's absolutely no competition because they're guaranteed the money so one of the really great things about the efa program is exactly that the money follows the child and so there's a portion of the state funds that go back to the parents and um we actually can accept efa money by the way so um you can go into our memberships we can accept you know that for memberships most of our classes as well the efa programs there's a category of stuff that they have to actually um they have to actually go through so it's like the basic classes that you have to work with um there's the basic like you know, the, the general stuff that you have to do as a school, so like math, reading, you know, if it covers any of those you're subjects, all, if, if it see, covers helps. music or arts, yeah, <laughs> then then it can be covered. And it's it's kind of vague as well, so it's a little tricky. I had to talk with them to kind of get some clarification on to whether or not our membership would qualify, but it does. Um, but yeah, so the EFA programs are great for that, and they can definitely work. Um, the other part of that, too, is You know, I have some actually numbers here um, that I can definitely uh, talk about as well. So when you're looking at the money, like them, what it costs for people to actually the school system, the average public school uh, district does about $21,000 per student. Um, So that's something that's very impactful. Clearly, that's a lot of money. When you're looking at, I think it's what's the statistic for uh, homeschooled families? It's anywhere between 700 to 1,500 dollars per, ch- per child per uh, child per year. You know that's totally different. Private schools, the average in New Hampshire is 7,500 dollars a year. So when you're looking at those numbers, basically you know, right next to the public schools, the question has to be why is public schools so much more expensive? You know, and it's because there's no accountability. And so when you look at those different options. Another thing that's very important to recognize is when you look at the difference between um, all that stuff sorry I'm flipping through pages here, but they say that all of the homeschoolers in New Hampshire actually save the state of New Hampshire and our tax dollars. I think it's around 68 million dollars or I'm sorry eighty point7 million dollars. Is how much tax dollars is saved because of all the people that homeschool in new hampshire oh well that should be a postcard
0: to our neighbors yeah. free state are yeah. saving 84 million dollars
4: in, in something. propaganda yeah and that's just in new hampshire so for um for all of the us it's closer to 68 billion dollars wow so you can imagine the impact that homeschooling also has on our taxes on you know us as a community when you look at how much money is going to the school systems and you have to think why, why is it doing that, you know it's
0: bananas if you just take like 21,000 and you say over 12 years of schooling. So we could literally be buying people almost a $300,000 house for every granite stater and just give them a house. So at least now we're in the realm of property rights. Now someone's got something where he's like, oh, maybe I'm gonna care if there's trash in front of my house because I live here and I wanna make it nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress.
3: <laughs> um. A question I had, Michelle, was so a lot of people that I've talked to recently about this was were just people that have recently moved to New Hampshire. And the EFA thing is a fairly new thing that's kind of people are taking advantage of. So what is the process from um, I have a let's say a third grader that's enrolled in public school, and I want to take advantage of the EFA program and I want to send them over to you or to like latitude or another program that's an alternative school or a charter school private school, Catholic school, whatever it might be. Um, Do you know anything about the process or the steps that you take to make that transition and then to take advantage of that EFA account?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on, you know, what kind of transition they want to go to. If they want to go from public school into homeschooling, um, the process is literally as simple as a letter of intent to the school district. Um, It doesn't even have to go to the school district. A lot of people you know, opt to do like a private institution because private schools will actually be able to take in those letter of intents as well. And the advantage there is that your information does not go to the government or to, you know, any sort of government institution because most of the private schools are just required to let them know how many letter of intents they hold. So a private school would sit there and say, you know, we have 20 hundred whatever students that, you know, are homeschooled in our district or it you know through us. Whereas a school system or a Department of Education will have all of your information listed. So there's a little bit of a privacy there. So a lot of people prefer that. Um, but yeah, that's super simple. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with a charter school, private school. Once you enroll, that's your compulsory attendance law. You know, that's the requirements. So um, New Hampshire has incredibly simple laws for all of that. If you're utilizing the EFA funds, I think it's just an online thing. So you just go online, apply for it. Um, I do know somebody that's been waiting for a couple months to get their approval, but I've also heard other people say it happens pretty quickly. So I guess it's on a you know per person basis, but uh, but yeah, it's not like a long, arduous process by any means. Oh,
1: okay. no. And then once you've been homeschooling your kids, um, you need to maintain a portfolio and prove to the state once a year that they have made progress the kids have made progress, uh, within some of the basic categories of learning. Um, and it really is as simple as, you know, last year they spelled, um, they spelled it F O K Y O U. And this year they're spelling it F U C K Y O U. Like that's, <laughs> It doesn't progress. have to be any more than that, you know? Uh, and I think it's important that, um, families know that yes, like there is going to be some oversight, but it is very much, um, just some really simple basic uh, proof that there is progress being made it's not in many in many states around the country homeschooling is really um, quite arbitrated uh, and, oh, and no. legislated and here in New Hampshire it is very much left up to the parents. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, I worked with kids my entire life and uh, always found New Hampshire was fascinating in terms of how easy it was to homeschool or to kind of pull your kids out of public school and find an alternative setup for them or homeschooling. And some of that stuff has been very interesting learning curve, you know.
1: And Granite State Home Educators is an incredible resource um, that is run by Free Staters Uh, And is full of different ways for people to find curriculum, to find um, co-ops that fit their schedule or fit their space and their type of homeschooling that they prefer to use. Um, And it doesn't even necessarily have to be that you're only homeschooling. You know, you can um, choose to have your kids in public school or private school or charter or a co-op and then also supplement their learning with resources that are liberty-oriented. And you know, you don't have to dive all the way in before you start giving your kids a liberty-based education and give them the resource that they need um, to take advantage of the incredible community that we have. So Michelle, uh, Tuttle Twins?
4: <laughs> yeah, so there's lots of different options, obviously, in terms of how involved you wanna be in your child's education. And so, you know, Granite State Home Educators is absolutely one of my favorite resources, especially for people who are just thinking about it. They have everything between, you know, where to begin, what are the laws in terms of keeping up uh, with what you need to do. Um, And just so you know, like those reporting and what you have to do on a yearly basis, you don't actually have to send that into anybody on a yearly basis. You hold those records for your own. And they're only there for if somebody was to report you for educational neglect, you have records to prove that you didn't. So you don't have to like send that into the government or something every single year. They actually don't know any of that stuff unless there's something that comes up. Um, I also wanted to, because I saw one of the questions below, um, you do. So in the EFA funds, it's 300%. uh, Yes, that's it for the federal poverty level guidelines. Um, Yes. So that is correct. It's three times the poverty level in order to approve for the EFA funds. Um, And I think that they were working on that, this legislation to see if they could open it up, but I don't know where that ended up going Um, Um,
0: i i believe it's in front of the senate at the moment they were trying to make the levels higher and ironically because our our um opponents democratic or or opponents of school choice i should say Mm -hmm. um are uh you know, they keep bringing up this income requirement. And I'm like, but you guys asked for that. And initially, we had just said, make it available to everyone. Let's not make this harder than it needs to be. But their agenda is constantly to pit people against each other, which is what you do when you create special interests, which is what you do when you start to look at things through different income level lenses. So um so I did want to, I saw there was a comment about the Tuttle Twins. So I did want to circle back to that because I think you mentioned something right before the show about that. Um, and you were talking about um, syllabi, I, I think, um, and using that th- those books for teaching. I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of different um, books and resources out there that are educational. And I absolutely love Tuttle Twins. So I have to tell you, they have um, some toddler books. So my oldest is three. And they have, it's the ABCs of Liberty, the ABCs of Economics, and the ABCs of the American Revolution. And they are just the cutest things. My daughter loves the ABCs of Liberty. She says it's her happy book. I'm like, yeah, it is. So <laughs> but um, Rachel really, mean, they do a great job. And they've got books from for like 11, was it eight to you know, 12-year-olds. And then they've got books for teenagers. And they're all really good. I actually have the whole set. We have them available at the center as well. So people can come check them out and use them. They have curriculum as well. And they also have a newsletter um, and they have a podcast. So they've got all different kinds of ways for learning because every person you know, learns differently. So if you've got an auditory child, check out the podcast. If you've got you know, more visual, they're more like a graphic novels sort of there. There's a lot of pictures involved. So it's, you know, it's fun for the kids to look at. Um, They do a great job though, and they're very liberty, you know, liberty minded. Um, And there's a whole bunch of other great resources. So I know here in New Hampshire, we have obviously the Granite Mines Homeschooling Center, which is what I just opened. There's uh, Learning Latitudes out in Derry. There's the um, Granite State Home Educators is a great resource. Um, Hillsdale curriculum also, oh, Hillsdale College just also launched a K through 12 curriculum as well. Um, That one's pretty decent. Um, you know, the Moms for Liberty group, which I'm sure Rachel can talk a lot more about. Um, they do awesome stuff as well. And they're a great resource for people who are looking to kind of, you know, get a little bit more involved with the school boards. Um, you know, there's so many great resources out there for how we can get involved in our child's education.
0: And what, one of the things I really love is this notion that people can start to really play to their strengths, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of a poor teacher having to stand there and pretend like she cares or he cares about, <laughs> These things. Right. You can really start to hone education and learning towards play, curiosity and people's genuine interests. So I was thinking if we have all these different kinds of education offerings. Right. So I would love to see New Hampshire become like a leader in, uh, you know, uh, visionary, innovative, futuristic education. Right. Like if you want smart kids, you move to New Hampshire and you raise them here. That's mm-hmm. what we want. And so we know the marketplace for ideas works. So if we create an education pool where we're all competing, right? Like all these different little schools and tutors and stuff we're going to have to come up with like a kid's brains Olympics or something. And then like, and <laughs> all the different schools and methods against each other. And then I don't know, maybe we could have like Dean came and underwrite <laughs> <or> something. <laughs> we're like, forget about robots. Now we're going to have real kids fight in the pit. <laughs>
3: um, yeah. Those were two oh. questions I had, Michelle, as well. Yeah. Was um, What are the requirements to, um, be like an educator or something along those lines at a place that does like a homeschooling co op or something along those lines? Do you need to be a credentialed teacher? Do you, can you volunteer for that type of position? Um, do you just need to have like a skill set that's valuable or useful to the community? Um, and I totally forgot what my other point was. But I have
1: to, uh,
4: <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on the co op. So, a lot of co ops, generally speaking, are, um, you know, different parents kind of take on different subjects or different grade levels. Um, And every co-op operates a little differently. So if you're looking at like a preschool co-op, generally speaking, it's just parents trading off because every parent knows preschool level education, right? But if you're looking at more high school level, middle school, things that are a little bit more advanced, generally speaking, it's who has more skill sets in these different subjects that are going to be teaching it. Um, You can absolutely, there's um, things like Prendo, which is actually, I believe, technically part of the public school system. Um, But there's, you know, There's so many ways to do this. So like, for instance, one of the things that I enjoy about what I'm doing with the center is people have come to me and said, this is my specialty, this is what I want to teach children. And so I like that because I have somebody that wants to do an intro to coding class and she literally works as a website, you know, website developer. So it's great to have that where this is somebody whose skill set is this, this skill. Instead of, you know, a public school system or a general school system where somebody isn't necessarily an expert in something, they just went to school to have a degree to learn how to, how to teach someone, you know, um, and they're just reading out of a textbook. That's not an education to me. So this is great. You know, I'm actually going to be teaching an entrepreneurship class. This is my second business. And I've got, I think about five or six more that'll be happening before the end of the year. So that's kind of my ex- you know, expertise is opening up businesses, getting them to work without me and moving on to the next thing. Um, so that's the great thing is you can have people with different expertise coming in and, you know, saying this is what I can offer the community and this is how I can help. And you know, I'm a fan of the free market. To me, it's, I'll give you a platform. You can rent a space and, and be a teacher. It's up to the parents to, you know, talk to you, interview you and figure out if this is a class they want to sign their kids up for, right? Um, so there's no real accreditation, but I can tell you right now, all the classes that will be going through my, um, through my center, at least, they're all people who do this for a living or they've got, you know, decades of experience doing this type of thing.
2: Well, so that's one of the actual criticisms I've heard of like Prendapod style learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know last week we had people in the comments who were uh, just lob- lobbing criticisms at the idea of homeschooling. But somebody pointed out like the common perception of what a pod is, is kids just doing online classes supervised by an uncredentialed babysitter.
3: Mm-hmm. and They'd be shocked me. to know how many public school kids do Vlax <laughs> right, or well, like and are oh, sitting oh, the, in a oh, brick mortar oh, classroom.
2: All I thought when I read that comment was like, isn't that what the public school kids have been doing for the past two years? Yeah. (laughs) So I quit. Um, Yeah. Like, how do you overcome some of those criticisms? And what are some of the things that, like, make your structure at Granite Mines unique and different?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Prenda. I do think it's better than public school. So again when you're looking at something like that these are people who you know reached out to try to to get into Prenda usually it's because they have a child that'll be in that class. You know if you have a child that's going to be in that class you're more likely to try to make it a successful class because you care about the education of your child. First of all. Secondly, generally speaking these Prenda pods tend to be smaller. So whereas you have a big classroom they're going to be you know 30 maybe even 35 kids in a class. I've been in some classes that big. You know, whereas in PrendaPod, generally it's 10 or, you know, 10 or less. It's, it's, they're smaller groups. So you're more likely to have more one-to-one. Um, you know, it's a better teacher-to-child ratio. Um, so I do believe that Apprendapod is better, but there's so many options out there. And I think the biggest thing is not to try to convince somebody that one way is the best way, but rather to lay out all the different options for people and say, look, research PrendaPod, find out if it's for you. Research homeschooling. There's so many different ways to homeschool. There's game schooling. There's um, what do they call road schooling, where you basically road trip with your kids and just learn as you go. There's life schooling. There's unschooling. There's deschooling. There's like so, so many different ways to do this. You can be as structured. You can be as loose. You can be, you know, as expensive or cheap. I mean, you really have full control of your child's education. Um, you know, there are charter schools, if that's the route that you'd rather go, I believe it's better than public schools, but there's charter schools, there's private schools. You know, there's so many different routes that people can go. And I think the most important thing as a parent is to research all the different avenues and figure out what's going to work best for you and your child. There is no one size fits all approach to education and to raising children in general. And I think that's where a lot of the public schools go wrong is they have a one size fits all approach. And most of the time their approach doesn't, doesn't help like 80% of their students. There's a very small percentage of students that actually succeed in, you know, in a public school setting. Yeah. So, um, and then, so right there, um, VLAX is another option that a lot of people like. So VLACS is like an online program. Um, most people use it for older age children, obviously. So there's, you know, and VLAX is uh, special to New Hampshire and I believe it's free too, if I remember correctly. I don't think you have to pay for it. So, so that's a great option too. You
1: know, there's better option if you're
3: involved in your kids' life is Zunal, which is you can upload all your lesson plans for free, and you can just pull from any teacher in the country or in the world that uploads their lesson plan, and you can just run it yourself with your kids. Mm -hmm. It's all internet web quest web quest based, so it's super easy. Mm -hmm. There's so many programs like that out there.
0: Oh, yeah. Almost saying that if there is a slew of things and anyone who wants to learn something can. So then the million dollar question becomes, which Ian Underwood from Bardo always asks, how do we instill that desire to learn? Because that is the real crushing thing about like public schools is they just they crush people's souls. The government sucks. Can
4: people not see that? Why not? They
3: hate your They hate your kids.
4: Well, yeah. And so the problem becomes is they put them in this place, which is if you've ever been to a public school, it is like the least stimulating environment possible. It looks like a hospital, right? And it's right. There's nothing about it that there's nothing about it. That's stimulating. They, you know, they stick teachers there that probably don't, you know, most of the time don't even want to be there. They're just there to get a paycheck. They don't care about your child's education, you know, they're there and they teach the same thing to every single student in the same exact way which is not helpful because all children learn differently and they have expectations so what's like one of the big running jokes right now is you know you you sit you know an 8-year-old down in a chair all day and then when they don't sit still you stick them on ritalin it's like you know that's just not the way <laughs> that's not the way that that it works you have to sit there and figure out what works for each child and you have to to tailor to that the other side of it is if you, they teach children in a certain a certain way, and if you have a child that's advanced and is learning it super quickly, now they're being stopped from, from continuing their own personal growth because they can't move on until everybody's done with this lesson. On the other it's side, of it maybe, right, exactly. If you have somebody who's struggling because they don't learn in the format that they're teaching, now they're getting left behind, you know, and so it just it's it's a whole mess it really doesn't work <laughs>
1: but
0: and and so my question somehow becomes and maybe we can all brainstorm about this but it's like how are we losing on this message because any rational person can see there's a problem and so and 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 it does seem like people are evolving and 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 moving towards more of a notion that more choice is good but do you have any or any of you have like a like a magic argument you like to pull out, something that you just find is really compelling? I know we, we, we all the cost of things resonate with us. We're very data driven. So we like to like see charts and stuff. But we also know that that isn't necessarily what other people find persuasive. So is there an emotional argument or have any of you had personal experiences where you've seen a child? go from something to thriving, uh, just maybe something to lift up folks and and help them understand it's possible.
2: I've had a lot of success arguing when debating people about the idea and someone without kids who doesn't have any stake in the education game personally, other than their future voters who are going to dictate how I have to live my life in my retirement, where I say, like, if it weren't for the fact that you needed childcare, would you think your child's education was adequate? (laughs) Because so many people, like their kids are in public schools because that's eight hours when they can go to work, even mm. though they're only doing about two and a half hours of schoolwork over the course of eight hours. Like it, it is subsidized child care is what it's come down to. It's not an education system. And once people realize that, they're much more sympathetic to the argument for allowing choice and allowing education alternatives, but still don't see how it's accessible and something that they could do. Are they more
0: accessible to it, or are we now staring down the barrel of them trying to actually start it at, uh, like, 18 months? I mean, there's a real push now to start this, like, sort of pre-kindergarten. Like, they were like, oh, if we get them at six, we can mold them into little widgets. And they were like, what can we do to the pod people if we get them at 18 months?
4: Well, I will say, so if we want to go to some of the numbers, right, because I'm a numbers person, um, when we look at, so this is just specific to New Hampshire, but 2019, there was a total of 2,955 people that started and put in their letter of intent to homeschool. They started their homeschool program. In 2020, over the hype of all the craziness, that number jumped to 6,110. Wow, Wow, that's awesome! And I know I remember reading an article about how the Manchester school district actually had to start firing teachers because they didn't have enough children enrolled. So I think we have hit a very pivotal point. Um, And one of the interesting things is you look at 2021; the amount of people who went into homeschooling was 4,185. So people continued deciding to homeschool.
2: That's just and this in was New Hampshire. People who
4: newly started a homeschool, not even people who had been homeschooling through 2020. And do
0: we know what the total number of students currently in the education system in New Hampshire is?
4: Like hundred thousand? Don't. Does that
0: sound like a right number? I feel like I heard. Well, that they so don't.
4: Long. They don't have any sort of records for um, how many people are currently homeschooling. All they keep track of is how many letter of intents are sent in. Um. So these are, like I said, these are the numbers based on people who jumped ship at some point during that that year um, and decided- I'm mean, feeling like a strong them.
0: desire to do a writing <laughs> campaign.
4: <laughs> it's, so, and then I'll give you another statistic here. So an IPSOS survey conducted on May, 2020, showed that 59% of the parents were ready to consider homeschooling. Wow. That's dramatic, with 30% strongly considering it. It also says from from 2019 to fall 2020 the percentage of homeschooled students changed from 3.4% to
0: 9%. That is amazing and you know that's really encouraging because I will say that at the start of covid one of the things i thought about i think we've talked about this before as i was like what is a tangible number that we could look at to say we had some sort of success over this failure that they forced on us over two years and i actually did say if we can see a remarkable jump in the Mm -hmm. homeschooling number and the people who are have left sort of the re-education camps and are looking for genuine solutions, then we're winning. And I think, I mean, we definitely know that happened, right? This opened yeah. up a lot of people's eyes. And and I think the beauty of it and the beauty of the Free State Project is that we've been working on this long enough that we have people with the skills. We have people who have, you know, Rachel started and then had you know enough kids to fill a school, so they just didn't <laughs> do it at all. So, so we've you know we've been here and we've been working on these issues, and now we're 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 ready. We're here, and we want the other moms and dads and people who want their children to thrive to come and then like come do these experiments. Come lean into the stuff you're really, really remarkably good at. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oh, your kid could come learn, you know, a short story writing class from someone who's super talented in that and how to grow plants or how to harvest a chicken or, you know, how to build a robot just to like, not just keep it crazy and rural, you know, (laughs) so, so, so really it's, it's, it's beautiful to behold because we're seeing this growth and the groundwork and, there's so much opportunity and mm-hmm. the schooling and the children actually also create the community, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see that with all the, the families that start to build out these networks of community and you know, those kids are going to you know, grow up and have their network. And so there's real potential here over the long term in New Hampshire for mm-hmm. a really, really bright future right so i think so many people look around the world and everyone seems defeatist and you know depressed and everything and I like to think, you know, we're actually pretty happy up here because we're doing all awesome stuff and we so, like ourselves and we like our friends.
2: A quick answer to your question, Carla. I did a quick Google search for you. Uh, in 2013, the state did an education census and there was 188,974 total students enrolled in school, public, private, any school in New Hampshire, 188,000. In 2021, there are only 159,334 enrolled in public schools.
0: All right. So that is interesting. I mean, it could also be, of course, that, you know, because of population, depopulation, people are having smaller families. That's a big enough window where that could factor in. But those are some interesting numbers. And again, you know, for, for, for the enemies of liberty out there, no one is saying we don't want kids to be educated. Again, all we're saying is we want them to actually be educated.
1: Well, that's an interesting point, too, is I think the bleeding heart argument um that you know not all kids have parents who are going to take an interest and in who are going to um, make sure that they get their homework done and their reading done. And, and kids who grow up in households that have books on the shelf you know, do categorically better. Um, and so that's why public schools or government schools are, are important is for those kids who um, are not growing up in an environment that is conducive to them getting a love of learning or, or the education that um, you know, some people feel that they deserve. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, even families in low-income urban areas overwhelmingly want school choice. 75 percent of black families want school choice. Like this is not um, just a libertarian uh, elitist sort of, argument or or even a policy this is something that would lead to a rising tide for everyone because it results in increased competition for government schools and uh anyone who's studied even a tiny amount of the free market knows that competition is good for everybody
0: i have a new suggestion to win is i was like All right, you know what, you guys are crushing free speech, but how about this? You're not allowed to post or use any platform or tool or gadget or smartphone developed by the free market. So they can (laughs) all go back to smoke signals (laughs) because all the things they love to complain on are things the market gave them.
3: Um, Another like red pill moment or your Michael Malice red pill moment. is i've worked with kids in an education in new hampshire as a native um for my whole life and in the last few years with COVID, the amount of teachers and administrators that have reached out to me privately because they're like hey man we know you know you do this whole thing so (laughs) i wanted to just like quietly say hey like we're super interested some of this mandate stuff, some of this lockdown stuff, some of the mask stuff, like w- this is, this is ridiculous, but mm-hmm. the union, the, the, the situation being what it is, my position, like some of those things, my kids go to school in the district that I'm in, that's holding me back from kind of opening my mouth from kind of taking that next step and stuff. Um, so I'll have to connect with you after for sure, Michelle, because I know some people all over the state that are looking to start mm-hmm. schools very similar to what you've done. Um yeah. so I think that's another good thing that's in New Hampshire where it's like opening up the pathways for some of that stuff either from an mm-hmm. entrepreneurial standpoint or from a parent standpoint um having a little bit more money in your pocket for those resources or looking at alternatives for grants sponsorships other programs that you can you can take advantage of on top of the EFA um mm-hmm. that's like a really good opportunity in terms of like helping people who are already in education um, maybe seeing our side of things, like Carla was saying, is like, how do, you, how do you get those people going? Like, growing up, you think like firefighters, police officers, and teachers, they're, they're the good guys. They're always going to be there. They're always going to help you, you know, until somebody kneels on your neck or blasts you or something awful happens. In the same with my Michael Malice moment with teachers, is I don't want to tell you to Google how many kids are molested by teachers every year versus <laughs> every year, but that is a Google search you could do um, and then <laughs> talk to you your kids during the day. For eight hours a day, and I was a teacher. I worked with kids my whole life, so that's that, that would be a red pill moment that's happening in New Hampshire. That not happening in a lot of other states. And now, as programs like this are picking off the ground, I, I think that there's a lot of there's a really good chance that we could we could take advantage of that, um, Carla. And exactly what Michelle is doing is is the path to do that.
0: Yeah, and really just, you know, we should be teaching when we're thinking about the teachable moments is, is the empowerment, right? Because one of the things when you talk about those teachers who will contact you behind the scenes or reach out or whatever, I, I live in that world too. There's a surprising amount of people who randomly hate me, but there are other people who are actually listening and who are coming back over the years and kind of going, you know, I used to think you were super weird, but you know, you've been right about a lot of stuff. and trying to find or create that environment to to allow more of that is actually genuinely how we're going to win. Right. So, you know, if there's a curious teacher, reach out, come to one of these things, go to a farm Friday up at Bardo, come meet us. We do not have horns. I do, but no one else. (laughs) Uh, We, you know, it's, 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 we want to. We actually all want to make things better, but we generally think we have the secret sauce that is missing from 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 their world vision, right? And so, with empowerment, is that moment which I think you know. Sometimes I think when I say you know we're libertarians, it's like maybe we're just people we've been name called so hard we get to a stage where we just don't care, and. <laughs> Because of the political correctness that is now so prevalent, especially in the schools, right? It is thought police. It is, um, I can't say anything out of the norm. I must go together. So when I talk about self-empowerment, it's the notion that we can help these people understand it's okay to just have a random opinion and it doesn't have to be right. Talk about it. We'll bounce it around. Maybe someone will figure it out. Maybe there are no right answers. So the empowerment comes from the notion that you can simply go out there and be like, Hey, I'm not sure, but this sounds cool. What do you guys think about this class? And just help people to understand we we, we genuinely can only make the world a better place if everyone is just acting as their own agent and then mommies and daddies for the kiddos
1: well new hampshire is also unique in that it has a complete hotline for teachers uh, and parents and school staff and kids to identify bad curriculum in public schools and then alert the Department of Education um, to, you know, seek out the bad curriculum and then (laughs) fix it and and replace it. And um, so there have been other states where legislation similar to this has uh, been proposed. But as far as I know, there is no other state that literally has a resource for you know the, the watchdogs essentially an incentive yes thank you yes. um and so if there's anybody who has seen anything like this in their public school in new hampshire um moms for liberty uh new hampshire is encouraging parents to reach out to us and, staff and uh, whatnot if they have filed a formal complaint to let us know when and the last name of the person who filed the complaint so that we can follow up with our people on the inside uh, and make sure that the curriculum that is not helpful, not conducive for learning um, is is replaced essentially.
2: (laughs) Now, Michelle, there are a couple specific questions for you from the chat that I wanted to bring up. Uh, Grace on Facebook asked two questions earlier on in the show, a way to save them. Um, can kids just join the clubs or take certain classes or is it an all-in-one enrollment? Like how does enrollment in Granite Mines work? Can they do just one-offs one day a week or if they're in town visiting from another region of the state, can't pop in for a class or a club or something or does it have to be an enrollment? And do you have an events page where people can find this information?
4: yeah so you can find all of our stuff on our website there's a calendar with all the different events everything on there Um, yeah so right there um, we also the way that the payments work is you can have a membership which gives you unlimited access to our facilities as long as it's open you can stop in and use our things go to the clubs all of those types of stuff Um, and it also gives you half off some of the classes the classes are done through independent teachers so um, you're basically paying them. You don't actually pay us for the classes. So there's the membership, which allows you to come in and use the facility, utilize the clubs, things that are done through the center itself. Um, or if you don't wanna get a membership and you just wanna come like once a week to Lego club or something, um, it's you know $5 an hour to do that. Um, so you can pay a drop in rate if you don't wanna get a membership. If you're gonna be using it often, obviously the membership is the cheapest way to go. How much is it? Uh, it's $5 an hour per kid. So, yeah, not bad. <laughs> um, and then I also wanted to bring up a couple things because we were kind of talking about it before. Um, but one of the other statistics that I thought was interesting um, is that 83% of the parents who had not homeschooled before February of 2020 decided to continue homeschooling and found it satisfactory. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I think that it's worth noting that people are, you know, kind of gravitating towards the homeschooling route and they are, you know, happy with the decision to actually homeschool. Um, We also, I just want to mention because I see that we're kind of running out of time. So I'm just going to throw in some other extra stuff, but we have on Sunday, we're going to be having a big Easter party. So if anybody's here in New Hampshire and wants to come on out, we're going to have Easter egg hunting um, raffles and all different kinds of play as well. It's $10 to participate. It's two hours from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m you can find all the information at our website and on saturday we're actually going to be doing um, a big barn party which is going to kick off our liberty clubhouse so we were kind of talking about uniting as a community and bringing together um, you know our communities for our children we're going to be starting a liberty clubhouse at the center it's going to be called the Porcupet prickle and it's essentially going to be where people can join and come together. We can do crypto meetings. We can do family game nights, movie nights, um, you know, educational things. We can have different seminars, workshops. Um, We've got all different kinds of stuff that people were wanting to do there. So um, it'll be really exciting. And we're gonna kind of kick that off on Saturday. So it's gonna be Saturday 11 to one is the Free um, Free State Project calling party. And then directly after that is the barn party. So it's one to five. We're gonna have tables for all the different clubhouses as well so people can kind of get to know all the different clubhouses. Um, and we've got a whole list of stuff that's going on and all of that is on the website as well. Um, the membership, I see the question, the membership is $100 a month per kid or $200 a month for families. So we kind of try to keep it affordable for big families. And so. Oh, that looks like you're muted. You're muted. I always mute myself. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: Mark Warden had mentioned something that there are scholarships available. Is that the case, or um, strictly, as you mentioned, the EFAs can be used for this program, or like what other resources, other than what the state gives, are available? Uh, for
4: so people? I was going to say, I think he's talking about the EFAs because okay. we are we are able to accept the EFA funds, and that can be used for the memberships. So um, if anybody is interested in doing the EFA funds, we have it set up a little bit differently. So when you go online to to make your membership, um, you can go ahead and just plug in that you want to do the EFAs and we'll send you out an invoice to send to the the you know the EFA company so they can do that. So
0: <laughs> Who's got questions? Right. Otherwise, I'm going to ramble crazy lady stuff. Come on. What? We can do I, this. I
2: mean- anyways i was hitting wrong buttons while i was trying to answer a question <laughs> um so say just points out it's like what a great way to cash out of the black hole government schools and redu- reduce your bolshevik indoctrination um and mark did clarify that he meant the statewide efas so yes um a lot of comments a lot of people just down on government schools in general but i think that's kind of not unique it, it, it is kind of unique to our community in the Free State Project. Like, it goes back to Carla's question earlier. Like, how do we get more people down on government schools? Like, how do we get more people waking up? Like, Kevin, you woke up from the inside of it. Yeah, um, and, and um, I mean, one
0: idea I do have that we should, sorry, that we should uh, mention more often is To the child care point that you were making, Kevin, I think earlier where it's like, you know, parents just kind of want to park their kids because they have responsibilities, they're working to pay the bills, all of that stuff is why don't we just go back to abolish federal tax? Period. And no, I'm dead serious because most parents in a two family home, the second parent makes what the first parent pays in federal income taxes. So you could literally free up one of the the pair. To, to do what they want to do. And okay, not everyone wants to do that. I get it. You could probably hire someone. Uh, you know, we could work it out if we were allowed to do anything anymore. And so I do think that this whole federal income tax thing is something we should be just pushing harder because that's also pretty easy for people to understand.
2: It reminds yeah, me of when the Carla howell ran for governor. <laughs> I was saying, it reminds me of when Carla Howell ran for governor in Massachusetts back in the 90s, or uh, she ran on a platform of abolishing the income tax for the state. And any question she was asked, no matter what it was, how do we fix schools in New Bedford? How do we fix crime in Boston? How do we fix public transportation in Worcester? Her answer was by abolishing the income tax. And she had an argument about how it worked every time.
0: That's great. Yeah, let's I mean, I think sometimes we should not throw the baby out with the bathwater. A lot of times there's really good messaging that we just have to take a second bite at that apple. I mean, we've been hard at work at School Choice in New Hampshire over the years. Uh, Someone had said to me a couple of weeks ago, they were like, oh, no, I heard the home. Oh, it was Tom Woods. He was like, oh, I heard that the homeschooling there wasn't that good. So I actually called like, you know, the top people. And they were like, oh, no, that used to be how it is. But no, it's all fixed. We fixed this and this and this and this and this this over the years. And so, you know, again, if you're passionate about education, come check it out. Uh, Come for a weekend when there's some event going on and maybe stay a couple of extra days with the kids. Go to one of these pods. Go to one of these events. Come meet the moms. Get the kids together. Sort of feel that energy and get a sense of what life would be here like here for you and your family, because you can see based on all those wonderful people, it's pretty damn awesome. Oh, yeah.
3: Uh, I, I have a friend who still hasn't had his kids go outside because of COVID. And he's afraid. Oh, my God. And it's like, I just came back from from Rachel's and my toddler is playing with a fleet of children. And he learned more in an hour and a half than he did like in any functional use of a time in a preschool at that age. So it's like the value of it is just down the road and in the community that you've we've already built here. And now that things like this are getting added to kind of the docket or you have a co-op you have all these options school choice options and now the efa stuff is coming into it and now of course carla is going to remove all federal taxes so that's even going to be even more <laughs> <laughs>
1: the all <scene> federal <clears> throat> throat> period yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah uh no as, yeah. as, as
2: yeah. carla yeah. mentioned it's yeah. Come visit new hampshire if you're not here visit here meet your neighbors meet your friends figure out how you're going to get here permanently that's your next step um and if you're visiting when you're visiting or if you're already here and just looking for something to do check out the fsp.org calendar where you can find an awesome liberty event happening almost every day in every region of the state i know michelle had mentioned the kickoff party for the warehouse uh, liberty clubhouse next saturday there's also, a couple other Liberty Clubhouse parties happening that same Saturday. We have a market competition on Liberty Clubhouses in New Hampshire, uh, which I don't <laughs> think you can say anywhere else in the world, never mind in the United States, uh, that there's a market competition for libertarians. Um, but uh, they're kicking off theirs in where? With an FSB calling party. So if you. <laughs>
4: yeah, you know, and the- it's this Saturday. I just want to make that yeah. clear. It's this Saturday, the yeah. 16th. Yeah.
2: Yes. So Saturday, the 16th, it'll be on the FSB.org calendar. You can check the information on the calling party. If you're already here, how you can volunteer, get involved and help out. And if you're not here, visit coming up soon. We have pork Fest. And if we're not sold out yet, like, I don't know how. Um, I think we've sold more tickets than we sold last year, and last year was sold out. So I, I think sold out is a technicality at Jess. this point. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to get weird up in there.
2: But it's Pork Fest gets bigger and better every year. This is primed to be the biggest and the best. So make sure you get your tickets and don't miss out. Anybody else have anything else?
0: No, but I will say this is a hedgehog, not a porcupine. I apologize. Please do not send me hate mail. <laughs> Mine I'm is just area. angry. So,
2: <laughs> All right. Hey, well, until next time, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your questions and comments. Make sure to hit the big red subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or Odyssey. And until next time, stay free.
1: Thanks, everyone.
2: Live free or die. Don't let the freedom pass you by. Stand up proud and
4: strong and lead this country on. Live free or die from the village
1: green to the mountainside. Yankee voices sing the song of liberty. In 1623, she touched the end of history, led the colonies on, independence was won, and the spirit lives today to guide America on her way, New Hampshire, standing free,
0: the home of liberty.